You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. It's Friday the 6th of May. This is episode 36 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast with me, Charlotte Greenway. Well, this week on the podcast, there has been plenty of debate about the BHA's latest proposal, which looks to try and combat the issue of small field sizes and uncompetitive racing, which has so often dominated racing headlines over the last couple of years. The BHA have proposed that we deduct 300 races from the fixture list next year and although I think we can all admit that something needs to be done, whether this indeed is how we should tackle the problem is what has sparked debate and so Nick approached Rafe Beckett, President of the National Trainers Federation, and asked whether he was in support of this. Certainly. Yeah, it's got to happen. You know, the racecourses won't want it, but anybody else standing in the way of it really needs their head examined. This should be fait accompli stuff. You know, everybody saw the field sizes uh, through the winter. Um, and, any, uh, and, you know, I think uh, there's a notable, notice, noticeable silence on uh, from Mark over, over field sizes this winter. You know, given they wanted to add their extra races. You know, I don't think anybody thinks that was the wrong decision to kick out that arc deal last October. And... Uh, we should be pushing hard for this. 300 races. What is 300 races, really? You know, and uh, they'll still be able to divide. Well, it's, it's, it's 42 fixtures, basically, isn't it? Or 40 fixtures. It's cutting, it's cutting a tiny bit off at the margin, when really we should be cutting a slice off. But, you know, we've been through this before. The, the race courses have got to prove that they're int- they have the long-term interests of the sport at heart. And when are they going to do that? Tom Stanley then decided to get a bookmaker's point of view and so he put a call into Coral's PR director, Simon Clare, and asked whether we're all wrong to presume the bookmakers are totally against the proposal. Yes, no, I do. I think it'd be incorrect, it'd be incorrect to say that we have any strong view on this until we can actually look at the detail. I mean, what I would say, uh, I've been sort of reading, almost really reading all the articles that are written so far on the subject and seeing all the really strong positive support for it or hostile negative reaction to it and yet i can't actually see any real detail it's really light on detail at the moment and you know this you know i've been involved working with uh, with the racing on various groups like the betting patterns working party many years ago now the betting liaison group i sit on and we work really closely with racing and race planning the bha and the, the race courses discussing all manners of issues to do with them um, trying to maximize the levy and the program and issues and it's a hugely complex area, and the idea that there's some sort of macro chop 300 races that solves a problem, uh, sort of, story, just is a million miles from the reality. So I'm, I'm sure it's more. I'm sure there is more detail <laughs> than just that. And there's been references to the January, January, March flat period and the July, August flat period. I'm sure those are pinch points. There's many others. You know, graded race program in the jump season, full stop. You know, is a, is an area which has been talked about. So I think it's hard to, to have a strong view. Well, for us, to have a strong view until we see what exactly is being proposed. That's why, you know, 300 races, it's just a number, it doesn't mean anything. It's almost, where, where, when, where and when are you looking to change things? And then most importantly, Tom, 
we're now at a point where we share the, the major bookmakers put all their betting data into one place, which the levy board holds, and we can model scenarios as to you know in terms of changes to fixtures and race programs and work out the impact of it. You can make assessments presumably on media rights. You can then work out what it would mean in terms of the horse population. The BHA knows all. So we shouldn't. This shouldn't be some sort of war being fought out in the media. It should be an evidence-based, you know. Um, you know, proposal or, or recommended course of action, which would which would have a, effectively a, a plus and minus column in terms of revenue generation. In a week where we learned that Her Majesty the Queen's reach for the moon has unfortunately been ruled out of this year's derby by trainer John Gosden, we received a few classic clues on the Rudy as Chester's May Festival took centre stage. It was the Aidan O'Brien, Ryan Moore, Galileo show as they took all three Epsom trials with Philly Thoughts of June and Colts Star of India and Changing of the Guard, who impressed me most, having quickened up nicely a couple of furlongs from home, having made all the running and came home six and a half lengths clear of the then second favourite for the Derby, New London. He's now around the 8-1 to one mark for the first Saturday in June. After New London's slightly disappointing effort, it's Walker Stars' turn to show whether he can make up into Godolphin's main derby hope as he heads to Lingfield, where Aidan O'Brien also sends United Nations, who was a staying on fourth in the trial at Epsom nearly three weeks ago. Then on Sunday in Ireland at Leopardstown, Paddy Toomey sends out his derby hope French claim, who was very impressive on his comeback at Cork, and Nick caught up with Paddy to get his thoughts on what his horse has done so far. Well, he, he's been very progressive. I mean, he won first time out uh, and he did that, you know, he got left at the start and he, he put up a good performance to win the race uh, pretty comprehensively at the line. Um, met a bit of trouble in running on a second run in a group three where he showed his greenness as a two-year-old in, in what was a very good airfield stakes. Um, and... Uh, you know, he turned out there this spring uh, in in his conditions race, and and he he won it by nine lengths. So you know, he's he's every time we've asked him, he's answered. In the close season, were you were you training him and looking at him, thinking, "This is my classic colt. This is a this is a potential derby horse." Well, we gave him a, did all the derby entries from Epsom to to uh, France. Ireland, and we don't do that lightly. Um, we probably have more fillies than colts in the yard, and our, a lot of our colts wouldn't tend to stay the Derby trip. But this horse, this particular horse, we thought he did. So we gave him the entries, and you know, we said we'd see in the spring whether he'd be up to that or not. And he's put, he's going the right way at the minute. Uh, he's by uh, French Fifteen, who was a, a very talented horse, but he's out of a Galileo mare, getting a, a lot of his stamina from an old Aga Khan family. Just t- tell me about where he came from. He's a he's a French bred horse, isn't he? As his uh, name would suggest, he is. He was bought um, by his current owners at the two-year-old sale. I think it was the Tattersalls Ireland sale at Newmarket last year from. Uh, Jaron Yvonne Kennedy of Sherburne Lodge uh, who breezed him and they bought him as a yearling in Deauville I think in, in November in a, in a, a late yearling sale for €9,000 so he was very inexpensively purchased as a yearling So off you go after the, the runaway success at Cork to the, the Derby trial this weekend at, at Leopardstown I'm sure you've had a, a good dig into the race how do you see, how do you see your chances? It's a very competitive race um, you know as, as what you'd expect for the grade Um it's his first time, you know, well, he's ran in a group race before, but I suppose he was green and inexperienced. It's his first time he's ready for racing now. And, you know, it, it'll give us a great indication as to, you know, where he belongs and, you know, does he belong in an Epsom Derby or not, you know? So uh, 
uh, it looks a deep race. It does look a deep race, but they're, they're all quite experienced, unusually so, because you'd think, you know, quite a lot of once race horses or twice race horses. A, a lot of these we know quite a lot about, Paddy, to the point where they've virtually all got a rating, and you're the second top rated horse and probably one of the least exposed. Yeah, I suppose that that's true. You know, uh, I mean, look, there's horses unbeaten and Stone Age or whatever, Aiden's Galileo called there. Look, it's a very, the horses at the top of the race are very good. Like you say, we've seen plenty of them, but, you know, there could be a derby winner in there. So we're going to see where we fit in that, that pecking order on Sunday. Of course, though, this weekend is all about another derby, or derby, shall I say, as the Kentucky Derby takes place on Saturday. It's a race that has led to plenty of controversy over the last couple of years, and no doubt those at Churchill Downs will be hoping all goes smoothly this time around. And if you've ever tuned in in the lead-up to a big race in the States before, you'll know that there's really only one person we can ask for their insight, and that's Michelle Yu, who Tom put a call into on Tuesday, first to ask about the impact of Un Urho not being declared. By any mean, I don't think that he was going to be favored. He was a dud in the Arkansas Derby, but prior to that, he had picked up checks in several different races, so he could have been an exotics play for some people. And when you're talking about you know NBC coverage, everybody loves the story of the one-eyed horse, and that's exactly what he was. So I think he would have been like a fan favorite, but from a real handicapping standpoint, I'd probably say not really. Okay, what stories have you picked out coming out of this draw? Anything that, that made you sit back and say, good for said horse, bad for said horse? I really think looking at the draw, it, it's kind of like a neutral situation. There was no one I thought was drawn terribly. There was no one that I thought was drawn, you know, oh my gosh, that's perfect. Although I did have a couple of um, of connections on my podcast and they got pretty darn close to exactly where they wanted to be like cyber knife his owner told me i want post 15 he got post 16 one point in time that wouldn't have been great when we had the split um gates but now that we're all in the one big gate i think it's fine i think zandon gets a good draw right smack dab in the middle i did see some kickback on social media that at the center is a complete toss now because he drew the three i mean i'm not ready to, to chalk that up yet your chance now, you know the draw, no pressure. You, you just take me through the race. What happens from the gates? Who wins? Well, <clears throat> I still haven't decided exactly who wins, right? Like, I now we just did the draw. Not, so not good I, enough. It's, it's not good enough. I have, like, four horses that I'm going to use. I just don't know exactly what order I'm going to put them in. Um, looking at it, I, I feel like there's not that crazy speed horse in here that we tend to have like the horse you know doesn't belong because they can't go past six furlongs so like without that horse in there the pace might be a little bit more reasonable i think you'll probably see messier going up and fighting for the lead if not being square out on it and you know that's always dangerous because horses that have come under the tutelage of baffert which messier was they go 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 and they don't stop a lot um i think epicenter should be very forwardly placed especially breaking from down along the inside like he is um going to be situated here um i think that there's going to be I want to say that uh, Summer is Tomorrow is also mm. going to be up there uh, in contention. I know that they said they wanted him to be near the lead early. He might end up being 
relatively close to on it unless a horse like Messi decides to like really send and put up fast fractions. Okay, so what? So come on, who's the pick? So I, I like Epicenter still. He's the division leader in my eyes, even though he wasn't listed as the morning line favorite. Um, he's not dazzling, but he is good. He's had good preps. He's versatile. He's been winning the right way. He has speed. He's got top connections. I mean, the, there's nothing to dislike about him. So for me, I like Epicenter a lot. Um, everyone likes Zandon, but, you know, a horse that comes – from behind, I feel like it's really hard to pick your way through the field. So uh, I'll use him, but he's not my top pick. I really like Cyberknife. I hope I get a good price on him. I have him in the futures at 50 to 1. Um, if this horse just keeps moving straight, I think he's a serious contender. And my long shot play for exotics is for sure Barber Road. He is the blue collar hero to me of this entire Derby trail. So I love him. And he's making his the first Derby appearance for all of his connections. He's named after his owner's wife's, like where she grew up and his and her family still lives there and they're older, they can't leave. Um to come to Derby, they're having a neighborhood block party and setting up a huge tent so everyone from the street can come watch the horse run. I love that. So he, he's a for sure play for me too. Love it. That See, five minutes notice, I'm going to call you to talk about the Kentucky Derby and that is thorough. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> a long-time successful owner who has a runner in both the Kentucky Oaks and Derby with Nest and Mo Donegal respectively is Mike Rapoli and Nick caught up with him on Wednesday to ask why victory for Mo Donegal would mean so much to him. You know, I, I don't think I've ever purchased a, uh, you know, a minority percent of a racehorse at this high level or almost any level. But, you know, I've been rooting for this horse since, uh, since his maiden in Saratoga. Um, you know, listen, one, you know, obviously, you know, Nick, uh, Every good horse I have is with Todd, so we have a great partnership. Always root for Todd. Um, the horse is ridden by a guy that I've had tremendous luck with lately, uh, Irad, and then and then the uh, the the final uh, and most important uh, reason was you no, know, he's the son of Uncle Mo, and uh, um, and you know how important Uncle Mo is to me. And I had outwork in the Derby when Nyquist won, and um, you know when the opportunity came up, I've been rooting for this horse. You know, from the Remsen to, to the to the Wood, and uh, you know, it's uh, it came up, and you know, Jerry Crawford must be a great uh, marketer because I think it, by putting the name Mo in it made me even more excited because I feel like I'm calling Mo now and has some special feelings. So uh, um, maybe when he named him, he said maybe one day he'll be good, and Mike Rapoli will pay a lot for him. But uh, but it's it, it just checked all the boxes, honestly, Nick. And uh, uh, I can't be any more thrilled to have a horse in the Derby out of Uncle Mo. And um, you know, I still own Uncle Mo with Coolmore, and and we have about ten babies a year. And uh, he's so special to to me and my family. Um, Mo Donegal is a a dream, though he has a a strong chance. Nest, uh, your your filly in the in the Kentucky Oaks. People expect, people ex- just expect her to win. Pletcher's looking for his fifth Kentucky Oaks. She comes here off the back of an eight and a quarter length victory in the Ashland. How high are your expectations for her, Mike? Well, Nick, being in the game for a while, I've done a really good job of keeping my anxiety at bay until like the day of the race. But the way you just explained it, you just upped my anxiety about 300%. So I really want to thank you for that. Uh, expect to win. Wow, that's really good. That makes me feel super. But, uh, 
you know, listen, she's a special filly. Um, you know, I had unlimited budget, was undefeated going into this race. She came in third, and she probably lost in the probably the greatest feel. You had Princess Asilma, Beholder, Midnight Lucky, Dreaming of Julia, uh, and and an unlimited budget. It was unbelievable. First to like eighth place was like all grade one winners. Um, this is, you know, it seems like every time I'm in the Oaks, you get monsters and you got, you know, um, obviously Echo Zulu and you have, uh, a Secret Oath and you have, uh, Catherine O and, and, and the, you know, so many, and, and, and obviously Nest and so many other Phillies. I mean, listen, this, this Philly is out of curling. Uh, usually they're just getting warmed up at three and they flourish at four. She won the Dalmazella two. She won, she broke her maiden first time going a mile and 16th. I'm not sure how many two-year-olds have broken their maiden the first time at a mile and a sixteenth. And uh, she she gets better. I mean, and the crones are like this. She is getting better every week, every race, every day. Um, and she's going to be tough. I mean, uh, you got 14 horses. You got weather, unpredict- uh, unpredictable weather, um, rain, sun, drying out track. Who knows? But... Um, I wouldn't trade places with anybody, and I have a funny feeling if the other 13 uh, uh, owners could trade places, they might look at this and say, listen, I, I'd like to take this filly right now. She's peaking at the right time. Bufat Sumar trains in the United Arab Emirates and returns to the place where he spent a lot of his early career and runs Summeries tomorrow in the Derby, who earned his place in the field after finishing second in the UAE Derby. And Nick asked Bufat what it means to him to be back in Kentucky with a runner in the Derby. Oh, it's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, um, I could never, I could never think that I'll have a horse running in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been in Churchill Downs as a spectator. Then I've been Churchill Downs when I was working there um, in in California, and uh, yeah, it's just un- absolutely unbelievable. You know, we got a horse who's um, who's a, probably a good horse. I know he's a long shot um, running in this race. And with him, has it been sort of a, a sort of strategy ever since you thought he was any good, or has it slightly blindsided you? No, to be honest, I mean, you know, never thought that he's going to be going to be here. But you know, I definitely thought he's going to he's a good horse. I thought he's going to be a good horse for the Guineas. I thought he's probably the best horse we have, um, you know, for the Guineas, and then um, maybe maybe for the UAE Derby. But you know, obviously. Never thought that he's going to be a Kentucky Derby horse. At UAE Derby, he just bowled along, showed lots of pace, and it's been suggested to me by some local handicappers here, oh yeah, Summer is Tomorrow could be a contender for part of the early lead, and I thought a, non, a non-American trained horse right on the speed in, in the Kentucky Derby, can it happen? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think there's, a, there's a little bit of a jinx about uh, coming from, from abroad. I think, I think he's... I think he definitely has the has early speed. He's very good in the gate. We, in fact, we're going to school him today again. And uh, so far, so good. We're really happy with him. We've got a good draw. And uh, that's what he likes to do. He likes to ball along in front. You know, we've, we've tried to take him back and uh, he doesn't like it. So, you know, if he can, if he can break, you know, that, that'll be the plan. And, and just in terms of uh, the weather, it, we could get some nasty stuff. Is that going to be a bother to him? Well, I hope not, but I think I think he has gone on a little bit of a slop back home, uh, and you know, according to all the experts, they say that uh, 
his bread to go on it. So, but but to be honest, I would I would not like any surprises. I would like a good track where it's 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 fair for everybody, and you know we all can get a fair chance. Uh, you've sized the opposition up. I think there's a certain kind of opacity to the race this year. We're not quite sure if there's a genuine superstar in there, and and if there is, he hasn't put his head above the parapet quite yet. I mean, dare you dream of? of hitting the board or even winning this race. We're not here for fresh air. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's done everything right. And, you know, when it, when it comes to a horse's mind, he's, the, he's probably the best horse that can that can travel and take everything in. Um, nothing really bothers him. So, which is a great thing. We've, you know, we've schooled, we've schooled quite a lot here. Uh, not just, not just gate schooling, we've had to school them. You know, we know that when you do that walk and all the roar of the crowd and, you know, but I think I think he just takes everything in. In fact, he's schooling again today in the sixth race. And uh, I think he's the right kind of a horse, and I think he can probably do it. Well, thank you once again for listening. Either Nick or Tom will be back with you as usual on Monday morning with the latest news and insight from around the world of horse racing. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.